Oh, lots of happening. That's where we bring on the Captain Ken Bombay's his great company, Global Threat Solutions, the one hundred percent military veteran owned security investigations firm. Global headquarters are right here, by the way, uh, in Suffolk County. Also offices in uh, in and around New York, Miami, L.A., the city that is near, uh, Frankfurt, and Mumbai. And of course, the five CEO, the Captain Ken Bombay's twenty one years of law enforcement intelligence experience serving. As a military intelligence officer in the Middle East, the company does so much, play background checks, uh, surveillance, criminal cases, civil cases, business intelligence. Please check it out on the website, globalthreatsolutions.com. Uh, for peace of mind in uncertain times, compa- contact Great Global Threat Solutions. You make a phone call, 646-946-6649. His company provides so much. The aforementioned Captain Ken Bombay, sir, how are you? Morning, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Loads of stuff to talk to. I'm starting Idaho with uh, Mr. Koberger there. Ton of evidence. You know, a guy who was going for his PhD didn't seem too smart, did he? Footprints left, uh, the sheath of the knife left, uh, the white Elantra, you know, being stopped in Indiana, uh, the cut in his hand and everything else, the garbage, you know, he tried to put the garbage in a neighbor's house. Literally, no police uh, had surveillance upon him and everything. I tell you, uh, every everything against Brian Koberg at this point, you know. But again, nothing is uh, kind of open, open and shut. You know that well. But there is uh, a, a ton of evidence right now as far as this case, Cap. That's right. You know, Jay, it reminds me of a saying in the Army. But they say uh, a perfect plan is only a perfect plan until the first shot is fired. And so this is a Ph.D. student. And he studied this. Obviously, it appears this was planned. Uh, I think cell phone records now show that he had been by that residence 12 times since June. So it seems like it might be something that he was planning, although they have not yet released a motive and connections to these uh, victims yet. Um, but one thing I would say, it goes to show you that, right, he with the plan, despite the planning, in the heat of the moment when this is all happening, very easy. Um, to leave evidence and make mistakes and panic. And uh, like you said, we're now finding evidence that was released um, after he was brought to Idaho to court. But one thing I think was uh, the police did a great job of not releasing information prematurely during this investigation because, you know, Joe, we were on every day and our, our lot talking about this case. And despite calls for transparency and increased information sharing in the public, you know, was outraged. They, they kept information close to the vest, only released what they needed to, because that information could be used to tip off the perpetrator, cause them to flee, destroy evidence. It could not help a case. And uh, now we know that the police were working hard to identify the white Hyundai Elantra that had been spotted on video surveillance, even before we knew of the white Hyundai Elantra. And it was actually the police at the University of Washington who, who identified that vehicle there, and that's what led to them looking into him. So I, I'd say the police did a great job, despite, um, you know, at the time people saying that they weren't um, of holding this information close to the vest. And, and now we're seeing the, the results of that. Question. No question. We criticized. I criticized them in the beginning. But, man, I tell you, they, they did some job. Now, I guess there's still one question out there, and that is uh, one of the roommates there uh, who obviously was spared. Uh, as far as our life, Dylan Mortensen, who, you know, heard some stuff in one of the rooms, opened the door one, two, three times, maybe saw the killer face-to-face before he walked out, that slider. Um, there's still the question, 
where that occurred around 4 in the morning, give or take. Police weren't called till 8 hours later. And the question is, well, why the eight hours? What, what happened within the eight hours? I guess nobody really knows. But, well, you can kind of maybe chalk it up to she was scared stiff, frozen, you know, as far as fear, went back to a room, uh, maybe shaking, whatnot. I mean, I don't know. Uh, all you can do is ponder exactly uh, why. But uh, I guess that's still the big question that investigators uh, will try and find something to, huh? Yeah, it's a first thing I thought when I read that, that he had walked right towards her and passed her and out of the house. She got the best description she could with the mask, the black claws, the bushy eyebrows. Um, she was shocked. She was terrified. But I, I'm assuming that she was not suspecting anybody. Was She was suspecting maybe there was an incident, maybe a domestic situation or something, but she was not suspecting that, that four people had been murdered upstairs and that's why she probably went eventually went back to bed didn't want to get involved and then woke up to find this this gruesome scene that we all know uh uh was occurred so i i would have to say you know it's it's uh unfortunate i i'm not sure it would have changed much if she's if she identified that this was a murder scene earlier say five in the morning as opposed to 11 a.m when when they actually called the police but I'm, I'm assuming there was no, you know, there was no wrongdoing there. Just she didn't uh, suspect that this was actually a homicide case. It was four in the morning. They were probably all out drinking, and she went back to sleep. No question. Cap, fast forward for me. I mean, you know, this individual supposedly, when he was incarcerated in Pennsylvania, said some things out loud regarding, you know what, come into the cell, I'll cut you to the guards, and what is by an inmate. I don't know if it's true or not. But you would think with all that is mounting against Koberger at this point, you know, his attorney is probably saying, my, saying to themselves, you know what, uh, I think we might have to go by way of insanity here. What about that defense? Will that hold up? Remember, you got the death penalty in Idaho. Let's not forget that. Um, is that something that is viable at this point of time with all that's mounting up against this guy? Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to try and use that. I mean, uh, he was a PhD student. He was obviously competent um, at some level. And as far as the death penalty, I, I could tell you, Jay, I don't care what state it is. It's very, I, I was involved in a capital, um, testifying in a capital murder case in Texas, of all states. And it takes decades or year, many, many years if they do ultimately send, actually uh, execute somebody. I would say that's probably not going to happen even in Idaho or, or, or one of these uh, um, western states. I don't think that's really going to happen, but I would say, if anything, the insanity would be used to try and avoid a death penalty. But he's not going anywhere. He's going to be in, in prison for a very long time. Captain with us, uh, Kim Bombay. Let's go to another crazy story. Uh, Cap, is what, what's going on in Washington? I, I gave a, a quick encapsulation as far as this uh, missing Massachusetts woman, Anna Walsh, uh, apparently begged the mother to visit uh, from her home country uh, from, uh, I think she's from Serbia, a week before she vanished on New Year's Day. So uh, a terrible case of a mother of three went missing uh, right around the first of the year. A husband claimed she was on her way to the airport to travel on some business uh, venture. Uh, the husband uh, arrested for allegedly misleading investigators, probing her disappearance, arraigned in court. Yesterday, he pled not guilty, you know, kind of a smirk in his face and everything else. 
And this is, uh, you know, another one of those cases of who done it. You know, whenever you have that question, it's always it's always the spouse, right? Most of the time, unfortunately. But this is a guy. I mean, again, goes to Home Depot to get supplies. I mean, everything stacked against this guy. Right. Yeah. It is. In some ways, I think it's very. It, there's. It's a stark contrast to these Idaho murders, where obviously there were mistakes made. Obviously, they were able to obtain evidence against him. It took some time. But this one does not seem like this was planned. I would say this is more of the heat of the moment. It was it was New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, or early in the early hours of New Year's Day. There was drinking involved, probably. But I would say that this this is a sloppy crime and co- even more sloppy cover up, where it so many mistakes. It really draws attention, Jay. I think to the technology and not just homicide investigations, but all investigations in both of these cases, actually. Um, it's such a force multiplier. You know, this isn't the 1950s. These people think they could say things like in Massachusetts. He said he went to stores and there's no video surveillance or evidence of him having been at those stores. Then he says he didn't leave the home and they have him on video at Home Depot buying over $400 in cleaning supplies. And there's records of that. It's not like it used to be where it's just sort of their word against the police. There's so much tech, so much use of technology out there. You could look at the Idaho case, and uh, as far as the DNA went, as you mentioned, they found the sheath and there was uh, uh, blood on there, and they wanted to compare DNA. So they went to the father's residence, actually, and pulled uh, garbage from out in front of the house, and they were able to obtain uh, DNA from the father that they were able to use in matching to the suspect. You know, I've actually been involved in investigations where we used to do that, where it'd be called, like we call it dumpster diving, where you would wait where that garbage is left uh, legally attainable out in the, in the street, and you'd have to go in the middle of the night and grab it before the garbage man gets there, and you'd sift through it looking for information. And, you know, you look at these techniques that they're using right now in the cell phone, the pinging cell phone. He said she left New Year's morning, right? She went to the airport. Her phone was pinging at the house for three days. This is so sloppy, uh, such a sloppy cover-up. I know right now they only are holding him on misleading investigators, but it's just a matter of time. I would suspect in the next several days you're going to see them upgrade those charges to murder. Is the right word. Uh, You know, you find blood on a knife in the basement where you live, uh, you know, lying about his movements around the time his wife went missing, you know, even to the point where, you know, he goes to Home Depot to buy all these supplies. I mean, it's just one thing after the... I mean, you know something, Cap? When you're on the Internet and you're looking as far as how to dispose of a 115-pound woman's body, I mean, that's when you know something is not right, you know? I mean, this is the genius of Brian Walsh here. Uh, but all in all, uh, that is the case. But uh, a very, very sloppy individual, you would say. Yeah, the, yeah, the cover-up was really sloppy, and it, like I said, it's a matter of time before he's charged with murder. And I was listening to the segment to you speaking before I came on. It is—it's a sad situation. This is a mother. She was a uh, business executive. She was pleading, pleading to her mother to come visit her from Serbia, and she wanted—you know—she knew something was wrong. And 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 as I'm sure you've read, he was actually a suspect being, I think he was on home arrest, house arrest for a federal case involving uh, some fraudulent art he was trying to sell in California. So this, she knew something was up, something was wrong, and it's a, it's a sad case. With the Captain Ken Bombay's Global Threat Report, ladies and gentlemen, another sad one 
Uh, apparently, his gun used by, can you imagine this, six-year-old, six-year-old Virginia boy to shoot his teacher, was legally bought by his mom, might have also shot classmates uh, if the hero victim had not intervened, Captain Bombay's. Uh, so apparently, can you imagine a six-year-old, six years of age, takes out a nine-millimeter Taurus handgun from home, stashed it in his, I would, his backpack, I guess, and brought it to class over at, uh, in Newport News, Virginia, when he shot this 25-year-old instructor, uh, Abby Werner, over some kind of a dispute uh, and went through uh, one of Werner's hands, struck her upper chest as she took a defensive position here. Uh, what a story here. A six-year-old with a 9mm Captain Bombay's. I mean, this is what we have come to now in society, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's just this. This also is a sad case, and I'm sure in the in the next several weeks we're going to learn a lot about what happened, the home life that uh, that prompted this kid to do this was their mental health issues, and you know, you always think nowadays that children, I think, are desensitized with video games and what they they're exposed to at much younger ages. They're they're don't understand the reality of violence, and I wonder if that plays a part in this, where he, he came in to shoot his teacher. And again, like you said, she was acted very heroically. Obviously, it seems like she was, it was maybe a defensive posture. She got shot through the hand into her chest and never left the classroom until all the children were out. And then they had some school employees come in and restrained him, and he was still fighting after that. So there was obviously some very serious, significant issues with this child. And I'll tell you, Jay, what you're going to probably see come out of this case, if anything, is going to be charges against the parents. But I don't see there being any charges against this child, just treatment um, and, and resources are going to be brought to bear for, to treat this child for whatever issues he might have that caused him to do this. The teacher is, uh, thank goodness, I think she's going to live. You know, she's been downgraded to stable. Uh, condition uh, is that correct? And also, this kid was taken, I guess, some sort of a detention center. Is that right, Tim? That's right. He was uh, he's being detained, but for evaluation, and they're providing. Cert- the school is now looking into what services to provide the student, and the teacher is uh, non critical, non critically wounded, and that's very you know it's great news because it could have it could have ended much differently. And in fact. If um, if she hadn't acted the way that she did, there could be there could have been many students uh, injured or even killed in that classroom. So and so in some way, you could say that it's it ended in in the best way possible for an incident like this. And by the way, this is an outlier. This is not a common um, type of incident, gun violence incident. This is even the, of the school shootings that we all unfortunately know occur. They are usually not this young and incidents don't don't occur the way this one did so uh, just a horrific i couldn't believe it. i had to read this when it first came out i had a really it's unbelievable this is what we've come to really is a six-year-old uh and finally uh you know joe biden now caught with some uh, documents uh, captain bomb base uh after he left the vice presidency post he had an office uh, in the uh, nation's capital, the Penn Institute, and lo and behold, uh, this is uh, what was uncovered. I guess everything was uncovered 
uh, last November. Nonetheless, uh, a very interesting storyline here as far as Joe Biden is concerned. And Merrick Garland, uh, the AG, said, you know what, let's uh, let's do an investigation and everything else. And uh, here we go again with uh, with these docs that were considered classified. What else do we know about this? So, Jay, Biden's lawyers say they found they found these government materials in November while they were closing out his Washington, D.C. based office. It was this Penn Biden uh, Center for Diplomacy and Engagement. It was had to do with his relationship with the University of Pennsylvania when he after his service as vice president. And. They found this material, notified the National Archives, and this information, by the way, was not only classified material, but it was some of it was sensitive compartmentalized information, that SCI classification that they made such a huge deal about in the Trump case that he would have in there. And there's video out there also of President Biden um, commenting on the, the, the Trump case, saying, you know, how, how could he possibly be so reckless to allow this to happen. So it's really, this is politically unfortunate. And I can't imagine, I thought this when the Trump case was going on, that they should be very careful. Because I, I, in my opinion, I think there's not a, pre, a former president out there that somewhere in his archives has some classified information in there. Their uh, former, you know, as former presidents, they get a, a presidential office. I would be surprised if there's even one president that doesn't have some of that. And you would think there's a vulnerability when you go so hard at a former president like this, that you too might be vulnerable. And also the way that it occurred, you know, that's the stark difference we're seeing now. You know, everyone's saying, well, why wasn't there a raid? Because Trump's attorney said, we cooperated, we had him here, we gave him access to whatever they needed to see. And they, they conducted a raid of, the, uh, of his uh, family compound down there. So you see a difference in how this is. And, and finally, Jay, I'll say, this really puts pressure on the DOJ as far as how could you charge one now without the other? You know, it seems that that would be something difficult to do, at least politically. Unbelievable. So, uh, you know, listen, yeah, and you know one person's having a field day over this, and that is Donald J. Trump, who I am sure uh, is having a couple of laughs uh, over this today, I'll tell you that much. Uh, so, uh, all in all, uh, that uh, is uh, happening. The uh, Global Threat Report uh, with uh, Captain uh, Ken Bombase, GlobalThreatSolutions.com. Uh, peace of mind in uncertain times, contact uh, the great Global uh, Threat Solutions today. You can do that by phone, 646-946-6649. Please go to the website, though. Incredible website, focusing on so Captain focuses in on employee background checks, uh, surveillance, Divorce, child custody cases, civil cases, business intelligence, you name it, all part of the great global threat solutions.com. Global threat solutions.com. Please check out the site. Cap, lots of stuff on the plate. So glad you are on to uh, discuss, and we will chat soon, my friend.